Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is the premium GPS hunting app available for your phone, your tablet, and also on your desktop. And they all link together. So one of the things that is basically what Onyx was built around was being able to get, find you access. Whether that's private lands, whether that's government lands in the form of state game lands, state forests, national forests, BLM, and also possible access. So in certain states and like specifically in Pennsylvania, there'll be areas that have like a grid over it when you have this layer turned on. And what the PA possible access is, and again, I'll I'll just talk specifically on Pennsylvania, but this is available to many other states. So Onyx has mapped over 520,000 acres of possible access lands just in Pennsylvania, including timber and land conservation groups that possibly have access to public hunting. You can look through their websites. You can look up any of that stuff to be able to figure out whether you're available to hunt that or not. Some of them have it labeled, say, right on a gate. It'll say open to public hunting. Some you can find on the website if you're traveling from afar. I've used this feature in Ohio to kill a buck on what would be essentially private land that was open to public access. And also, I do it in Pennsylvania all the time, hunting timber company properties um, and other different land conservation groups. So if you check out the Onyx Hunt app at onyxmaps.com, use the coupon code EMW that'll save yourself 20% off the Hunt app. The University of Elk Hunting online course was developed by Corey Jacobson and the team at Elk 101. And... It is a complete resource for increasing your elk hunting knowledge. I mean, everything that you can think of from the beginning stages to the end will help increase your confidence and hopefully your success. I truly think that this has helped me in my four-year journey, you know, reduce that learning curve and get me opportunities where, you know, it might have taken me longer to be able to learn that. So in addition to just getting all that knowledge, you're also getting discounts from the Elk 101 partners, including 15% off your elk hunting gear from the Elk 101 store, which in turn, depending on what you need, can pay for the course itself. So if you head over to elk101.com at the University of Elk Hunting, use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST. That'll save yourself 20% off of that online course. And Tethered. So Tethered, I just got in the mail the new Phantom Saddle. So what is so cool about the Phantom Saddle? I used the Manus last year. Amazing, extremely comfortable. But the way I explain this is the Phantom is, say, the LTZ version, if you're thinking of like a Chevy truck, versus the LT version, which is the Mantis. So it just has some additional comfort items to that. So to explain that a little more, they added comfort channels, which provide all day comfort with easy to use with high, medium, and low support settings. And especially for trees that are leaning towards you or leaning away, you can kind of adjust that. The new Utila Bridge is, you know, something in the past that hunters had to sacrifice user friendliness or accept more bulk and weight to really have a truly on-demand adjustable bridge. 
but this is able to do it with Featherlight Amsteel, uh, Amsteel Blue and being able to just really have about 30 inches of on-the-fly adjustability to kind of find your sweet spot. There's no metal. There's no bulk. It's the strongest adjustable bridge ever made. And then lastly, the lineman loops have been re-engineered to make sure that they're more user-friendly and even stronger than ever before. And it's not only that the Phantom is the most efficient elevated hunting saddle ever built, it's 100% made in America with a rating the 300 pounds. So check that out over at tetherednation.com and all the, also the rest of the saddle hunting gear that they have available. All right, so I want to start by going into today's Mountain Buck story. So Mountain Buck Monday was yesterday over on uh, the Instagram and Facebook pages. And this story is from Taylor Chamberlain. So Taylor wrote, in 2018, on the last day before my two-week rutcation, I drove up to the State Forest Road in northern PA, where I was able to access most of my stand locations, not only to, to find a vehicle parked at the overlooked trail up the mountain, but a group of three young guys packing out a buck they shot the evening before. Rather than getting upset, I stopped the chat. Later exchanging phone numbers and hiking up together several times throughout the season and to scout the ridge the following spring. Fast forward to fall of 2019, we braved the elements on Halloween as we camped on the ridge in tents amidst 50 mile per hour wind gusts a 30-degree temperature drop, and pouring rain and snow. When this buck came into a scrape at 15 yards in a saddle the next evening, needless to say, all our discomforts were proven worthwhile, putting an explanation point on the two-year quest of dragging a buck off that ridge. And that story by Taylor is what hunting's all about. I mean, we're all here with a common goal, as you'll hear Steve and I talk about that in, in the, this two-part series here. And instead of getting upset of someone hunting in the area, Taylor worked with them to that ended up with a friendship and then ultimately success. So thanks for sharing that, Taylor. And I want everyone else to send in your mountain buck stories as well as any other success stories when it comes to maybe hunting out west for the first time or anything along those lines. Maybe something you learned from this podcast, from the articles, video series, whatever that is, send it in. I want to hear it. I want to share it with everyone else. So I really enjoy these stories and head over, like I said, to the social media platforms to check out the photo of the four guys and Taylor's buck. All right. Um, I also, before we get into this episode here with Steve Shirk, um, which actually this is going to be a a two-part series, but I want to give a little teaser. Next week, I have Chris Derrick coming back on from Sika Gear. And we're going to talk all about building a whitetail system, a clothing system for, you know, again, hunting whitetails and really is pertinent to us hunting the big woods public land setting. And we're going to be doing some big giveaways, including the new mobile hunting pack that I still can't give the name to yet. But as of next week, I'll be able to release that information. We're giving away that pack and also the new <laughs> jacket that's coming out from Sika Gear. So I uh, I can't wait to be able to give this stuff away and you know give back. So stay tuned next week for details on that and over at social media that will show you how to enter that giveaway. And so like I said, on this episode with 
Steve Shirk. I um, this will be a two part series. I broke it in half because a lot of good information here, and I found a good breaking point here. But um, on this one here, we're going to talk about scouting buck beds, a proven trail camera strategy that is just. I'm going to take a lot from this this trail camera strategy here from Steve, along with everything else. But then how to set up for the kill and being confident in your plan to succeed year after year. And he dives into his three-day strategy, you know, his thoughts on mobile hunting versus set stands. Just a lot of really, really good information here. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And don't forget, part two will be coming out in a few days. So check that out as well. All right, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And I'm sitting here in northern Pennsylvania in this uh, beautiful hunting camp with Steve Shirk. What's going on, man? No, I, uh, we've been talking for a while now, and we I found out today we live so close, and yet we, you know, we failed to connect. So it's a long time coming, and uh, I think it's pretty cool. Two PA guys that hunt the same t- almost. We really the more we talk on the ride here we realize we're almost hunting the same area so <laughs> so i think it's going to be pretty cool to butt our heads together and just uh talk about deer and what we know in this area and uh yeah. I, I know i'm looking forward to it and as as we said uh at the big as we were driving here in the in the truck we're we have theories on things and we like theories because <laughs> us as deer hunters you if you don't have theories you know if you think everything's a fact that you know most of the time you're wrong right <laughs> absolutely so no i know i'm gonna throw some opinions out there and uh i hope that everyone listening uh will feel like they learned something and most importantly enjoyed us talking yeah that's that's really cool and, and like you said it's crazy steve and i literally live like 30 minutes from each other <laughs> and didn't realize that until we connected here and we were going to do a video portion here but mother nature had a had different story for us so we're going to get back together and do some scouting videos or something i'm really really pumped to see you know through the the i guess your eyes the way of going about it i i've i did this last spring i got together with two guys one's friend of mine johnny stewart you might have seen him on instagram or yep. something yep and um and greg litzinger and these two guys so they're coming from different areas and we just got together and scouted a brand new area together oh, cool. and watched how each other kind of does things differently and learned and it was it's so cool to be able to to get with other people that are like-minded but all have their own styles to definitely even uh you know i know we might talk and tell some people about my guide service but i know like guiding people would think that the guide um is the only one teaching and telling everyone how it goes but I pretty much, I bet I learned something from every client I take, whether the guy's hunted one time or has more experience than me. Anytime you get with a, any, any, anyone really, then there's always something different everyone knows. Yep. So, uh, that's just a, been a huge benefit to me as a guide. Like it's not always my knowledge, but my experience with so many different people, I'm learning something from everyone. So, yeah, absolutely. No, I, that's super cool. And so yeah, you as you did mention there, do you want to give a little background on yourself, Steve, and then also mm-hmm. with your with your guide service? Yep. So um I have a guide service called Shirk's Guide Service and it's in the Allegheny Mountains just outside of Bradford, PA. And uh it's uh a lot of it's in the Allegheny National Forest and if you're not familiar with the land like 
there's a bunch of other public lands around here too that we have access to. So we're probably guiding on literally several hundred thousand acres of land, all big woods. And I've been doing it about seven years now and people from all over the country are coming and I've made a ton of great friends. It, I don't really even call them my clients. They're, you know, everybody, if, if you like deer hunting, especially as much as me, you're, you're my friend in, in yeah. a second. So yeah. uh, I've made so many great friends that way and uh, I'm just having a great time doing it. And it's led me into situations like this where, you know, I'm doing podcasts with people like you and just, it's just been so much fun and opened up so many doors that uh, I, I couldn't, I could never have any regrets doing it. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's as, and again, as we talked about a little bit earlier, you like, th- that's a tough thing is guiding in these yeah. type areas. Cause even for our own selves, it's tough enough to get it done and to take someone that may not be familiar with hunting, yep. you know, the, the, the Pennsylvania Appalachian mountain region and big woods, big timber. This isn't farm country. This isn't the same. They're really not even the same animals in my opinion. They're just You're so right. And to do that is, it's got to be one frustrating, but also extremely rewarding when uh, it all pans out. Yeah, it's like you hit the nail on the head. It people ask me, you know, ahead of time, what's it like, or what can I expect, and I try to give them the rundown. But but when they come here, usually after one day, they're like, "Man, you totally." This is not what I expected. But it's not like it's a bad thing either. Like you know, the woods are just so big here. Um, it's just, it's just one of those things you can't really describe and unless you come and the way we hunt and how we hunt, it's just, uh, it's, it's a really unique thing that probably a lot of hunters throughout the whole country have never really hunted an area like this with the kind of tactics and in the way we do things. So, uh, uh, I think almost, I can't say I've ever had anyone come that wasn't like, wow, that wasn't a great time. So, yeah. um, Pennsylvania may not be known for deer hunting, but, uh, I encourage anyone, if you've never, uh, hunted Pennsylvania, especially, you know, the big woods, uh, even in this area. And I know there's probably some guys saying, man, you shouldn't have said that. Cause now everyone's going to come here. Yeah. But uh, as a guy to, you know, I'm just willing to, I'm willing to share, share what we have here. And, uh, just because I know, I know how much it means to me and how much joy I get from it that I, you know, I just like to see people come here and have a great time. Yeah, and and the one thing you said there, I, I've caught some slack for that. Oh, why are you bringing people here? Why are you doing all this? In reality, it's not easy, even if you know where to go or what, or just even general areas. Like people, it's gonna take a diehard to really want to do it. And I like those people, so I welcome you know those people Absolutely. to come in. And you'll have, you know, I do get frustrated sometimes, as we all do, but I don't think that. I think there's way more positives that come out of it than the the negatives. No, nope, you're so right. And I mean, it does so many good things for the economy. I know years ago, like I've talked to people who, you know, used to own like restaurants and hotels and they would, they would count on those, those weeks of deer season and bear season there, that would be some of their, their best sales of the year. And, uh, if we're trying to, uh, bring back what that used to be, at least to a, a small portion. I know there's there's a lot of businesses out there that uh, and people that, you know, we, we might be, because of that, we might be paying their bills through, the, through that part of the year. Or, um, you know, it, it has has so many great, great effects. It's, yeah, there, there could be a couple bucks here and there being shot, but for the most part, uh, it's not like uh, 
bring in, you know, I, I usually guide 20, 30 people a year and say if even half of them get something in a two to 300,000 acre piece of land, does that really, does that really, you know, <laughs> affect anything? Yeah, it doesn't really no. cause much of a problem. And most people that come here, this isn't for the guy, like you said, that, uh, gets his license and opening day, he, he goes out there. I mean, we have those kind of guys, but those aren't the guys that are usually filling their tags every year. Uh, I say it uh, many different times, many different ways. The uh, consistent success here is, is a lot of work be- before the season. So uh, even if we invite and broadcast people for all over the country and say you should come here and hunt, if a lot of them just came here in one day, they'd probably never come back because <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes behind uh, what you and me, you know, that, that we do in yeah. these kind of woods. And isn't it, it's funny to me, like, you know, even when we do all the scouting and stuff, I'll have, de- I'll have three days in a row sometimes where I won't see a deer. Absolutely. Like a single deer. <laughs> and yep. I, I've yep. always just said, I've, I've said it so many times in my head to get myself right, because you can, it's pretty easy to uh, get down in those situations. Even when you know it's good, it's going to happen. You just got to absolutely I always like, I might not see a lot of deer, but I always have, you know, at least one or two really good encounters a year. You just got to yep. wait for them and you got to capitalize on them. Yeah. You know? Capitalizing is the big part. The big cause, part. Cause I mean, it's, if you get a chance at one big one a year, that's probably your only chance. Yes. So. That's, that's, that's a very, no matter how hard you, you work at it. It's, a- absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. Like you kind of sense when you see a buck coming in, like you sense if it's your opportunity or not. And like, there's like 10 things going through my mind when that opportunity comes that that I'm like, I got to make sure that I make this happen, uh, controlling my breathing and make sure when he steps into this opening, was that the right shot? Or you also don't want to be too, uh, too patient and let an opportunity go by either. So it's uh, when I get that opportunity, like I said, I, I do my best to make sure that yeah. I capitalize because that that opportunity probably won't come for another year after that yeah and there's no there's no good like so like your opportunities are never going to be well no, i shouldn't say never but usually aren't ideal like you are exactly usually trying to make something happen and exactly you're not going to be able to have a deer out there and range it as it's coming by you got to be i don't know how you do it but yeah. you know i'm ranging stuff ahead of time to have ideas like always well dead times i'm trying to figure out where areas are because I know when something comes, you got to be ready and you're going to be field judging it, you know. Absolutely, I'm and making there might be a, a window that's the size of a basketball that you end up trying to weed an arrow through, and that's yep. What I'm, it is. I really like how you brought that up because last year, uh, uh, a guy and he's even a good friend of mine that I guided the first week of gun season. Uh, I just guided him, and we saw 75 deer and 15 bucks and I think, five five or six days. And he did miss three. And and I'm not saying, like, uh, I can't say any of these shots were, like, 100%, like, guaranteed. But, but I... <laughs> On another note, though, like I'm talking to him, like, what are you seeing? Can are you getting a shot? Or because I'm standing right beside him, and he's like, well, I can see like a six inch square of the shoulder, and I'm like, well, just pull the trigger. Yeah. But where he has come from, like he said, you know, he said that's not that's not like a great opportunity, which I totally agree. But in the big woods, like that that's a that's an opportunity though. If yeah. I see shoulder, 
I shoot. You know, it's not like the you're going to get these wide open uh, opportunities where deer's in a field and you know just standing there, you know, eating alfalfa or something. So it's uh, the shooting is very challenging too, and and you just got to make sure when you pull that trigger that that you were on them and and uh, you made the best of it. Yeah, and that's like so when you're talking about gun hunting, like that's no guarantee of getting it done you know when you're shooting because you got so much brush and you got to think about that with your you know your bullet you don't want this light fast bullet that's going to deflect off all the brush because normally even if it looks clear there's stuff in the way oh definitely (laughs) yeah no that's that's true too i mean we talked (laughs) going into this that there's so many different things in in the big woods environment that we're hunting that it just it's there's so many reasons and and ways that it's just it's it's definitely the most challenging kind of hunting you know the the shots you have to make uh the scouting you have to do the 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 way the wind is so inconsistent it's it's definitely brutally challenging but like i say so many times when you do have success in such a challenging environment that's when it's like wow like the when you have that success i i can promise that the the feeling you get from it and the joy well, it's, it's really, you can't even explain it. Yeah. And it's funny you brought that up just the other day. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend and, and she got to see me through Turkey season and Turkey season isn't easy, you know, <laughs> no. here either. And I was getting up every morning for the first couple of weeks and going out just for 45 minutes before work, you know, but every morning and she's like, you look miserable and tired and all this stuff. And like, she's like, why, why, why do you, why can't you just like go out and, you know, and <laughs> it's funny enough. I'm like, Oh, yep. she hasn't been through deer season yet, but uh, yeah, that's going to be even worse. <laughs> so I was like, well, it, it's hard to explain because once you get that success, it's so worth it. And it's not that I'm actually miserable doing it. I, I love doing it, but yeah, it is, it is a lot of work and there is a lot of yep. points that aren't necessarily the, the most fun. When it comes down to it, but it's, it's the most rewarding thing for me to, to be able to do that. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm not like against anyone. And I've said this before, but, uh, for anyone that's never heard this opinion from me, I'm not against anyone that likes to travel and hunt all over the country because, uh, in reality, I need people to travel to come here for my business, but, (laughs) but I get a lot of opportunities where people will contact me and say, Hey, I own a a guide service or an out, I'm an outfitter and I'd like to swap hunts, you know, I'll come for free. You come to mine for free. And the amount of time that I put in here, like I have so much invested into this that I don't want to go anywhere because it's just, it's like anything else. When you invest so much into something and you have such a short season that it's like all my time and my investment wouldn't be worth it if I was only hunting one or two days here or yeah. missing out on some of the best times. So uh, that's this this kind of place here, as challenging as it is, uh, I just know for sure that I'll never. I don't know if I'll ever find something to uh, to to uh, make me get you know give me more joy, and yeah. I'll find anything more passionate than the big woods here in PA. Yeah, I two years ago. I went to Alberta um, on a trip, which was amazing to to hunt whitetails and stuff. But it was the first week in November, and I only I didn't have a lot of time off of work. I had three days off before that to hunt Pennsylvania, and it rained pretty hard like the whole time. So I I, I didn't get it done there. And the whole time I was there, I just kept 
I'm like, I'm hunting in some of the biggest buck country in the world. <laughs> and all I could think about was my dad sending me photos of everyone at camp wow. coming in with, you know, yep. I, I, it might sound crazy, but I can't give up yep. hunting here. And like, even, I even tried to tell myself that for a few years, I wouldn't take any vacation for Pennsylvania and I would focus on some more Western hunts and stuff. And I just can't yep. Yep. give up at least, a, I need at least a week. Like, yep. It's to, in your blood. Yeah. You have to. And yep. I agree. It's, it's, yeah, like you said, you put so much time and investment into it. So Steve, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the big woods is just a lot of, there's a lot of land. Like you said, a couple hundred thousand acres you're guiding on here. Um, there's, there's so many different ways of looking at it and, and scouting, but is there anything specific, like when you're going into, to scout an area, like that you have at the top of your mind, like this is what I'm going to be looking for. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I'm always at the upper part of the Hills. I, I rarely go low and, and I know like during the rut, uh, bucks are running like crazy from ridge to ridge and you can have success down in the Creek bottoms, but, but any deer, no matter buck doe or yearling, like they're all bedding up high and, and I might not be one of those guys that likes to hunt right on top of beds, but I want to be where deer are during the day. And I'm a big believer in uh, a lot of the sign and that you see is, is made at night, like especially the stuff down low, because mm-hmm. uh, when deer are moving, that's when they're they're making more sign and they move more at night than at any other time. So uh, I like to stay up high and I like to be around cover. And that's just because that's that's where the deer like to be around here. Um, so I'm always focusing for the most part up high around thick cover. Um, and then, uh, you know, like I said, the, the woods are so big here that, uh, it's not like you can pick out any ridge with some cover. You just got to put your time in. Sometimes there's spots where it's like, man, the the ingredients were there, but I didn't see the sign or the, you know, I've ran cameras there and nothing showed up. So it's, it's, this is an area that you have to put a lot of time and scouting in. It's not like, uh, it's, I think our deer herd's decent, but it's not like it's polluted with deer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but that's what, that's what I like the most about it is it's not easy and I like putting the work in. So, uh, but for the most part, I, I hunt cover. Um, I, I, I don't hunt on top of beds, but I, I, I hunt within a two to 300 yards of them and, uh, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be where I feel the deer are going to spend the most time during the day. Yeah. Um, and, and a good point that you were saying there about, you know, that where they leave the most sign isn't always necessarily where you're going to run into Absolutely. them. And that is a, that's such a, a hard thing to learn. And, you know, even with, so I, I do hunt creek bottoms a lot, but it's only a certain time of the year. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's gotta, and it's gotta be the right scenario. It's so hard. You can't just say, you know, you can hunt creek bottoms and you can do good, or you can't just say like you won't. It's all dependent on the the setup. And my creek bottom spots are normally thick cover ones that have sure. different valleys that they're coming off these tops, cross into another one, to another one. And yep. I have these spots that it's not you know, it's not like you're looking at um, say like a, a Midwest or Western creek bottom like open yeah, and stuff. Big you're wide not open field. Yeah, yep. you're not. It's not what it's you know going to be. Sure. But like you said, most part they're up in those upper thirds, at least where I'm finding. So Absolutely. how the, the question I have with, okay, so you're talking about bedding and stuff. How, how are you finding specific, you know, bedding or how are you, I know it's or like, how am I trying to word this? What are you looking for as far as beds? How do you know 
it's um, a buck bed, or how are you assuming that they're they're using those areas? Sure. Um, really, for the best way that I've ever learned uh, is just running my cameras. But I find I find most of my beds in the off season, and uh, sometimes even in the off season, you, you're not even for sure if it's a bed. You might just see like an impression, but just just for the reason that you know I don't want to get too off topic, but in the winter time, a lot of these bucks aren't bedding where they are in the fall. So, but, so you're, it's different when you can, when you come upon a bed and you can almost smell that a buck's been in there, like in the rut where a buck's been laying, if you get 10 feet from there, you're going to smell it. Oh yeah. But it's a lot different now. So you really got to, or in the off season, you really got to keep your, keep your eyes peeled and almost know like the kind of spots where bucks like to bed. But Sometimes I'm still not for sure. It really looks like a buck bed, and and but the only way to to do it is either to go in there and bump them and see, or what I do more is I run cameras, and uh, I don't run cameras right on the bed just yeah. because I tried it a couple times and it I could see where the deer weren't using that I, bed I, as much. I tried that you before. Did too. Yeah, the no, they thing. don't like that. No, they really don't like having <laughs> yeah. a video camera right on there. Yeah, and and the thing is, why I don't want to take that chance too is, especially when you find two or three of what you think a big buck's bed is, I don't want to throw him off and make him go somewhere else. So I'd rather just back off a little bit, and I try to find like maybe entry and exit routes going to those beds. And, uh, and then I'll run like clusters of cameras all, all around them. Like there might be three or four cameras in a, within a hundred yard stretch or within a hundred yards of the bed. Then I'll back off and run some more cameras in a bigger circle, like on scrapes or rub lines or trails. Like people know that I run a lot of cameras. I'll just say it right now that, you know, last year I was running like 80 some this year, probably be a hundred some. But it's not like it's in a line of uh, a 15-mile stretch and there's a cam, two cameras every mile or ho- however you would, that would be. Like all, most of my cameras are in clusters around bedding. And, uh, and what I try to do so I'm not bothering these beds is I check the ones farthest away more and then the ones closer I check less often. But if I'm seeing a pattern like uh, – I was in another podcast the other day, and this is something I've kind of maybe kept a little bit secret, but think of it like uh, the defensive, like in, in a baseball field. Like, say home plate is the bed, and then I start throwing cameras like pitcher's mound, first, second, shortstop, third, left, right, center, and I'll start focusing, like most of my camera checks are just in the outfield. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm seeing a lot of activity in right field, I might check first base and see and if there's even better activity. Maybe, say, in right field, I'm getting a buck like an hour after dark. So then I go to first base, and if I'm getting him there, I'm I'm hoping to see him maybe right at dusk. Or So you see what I'm trying to do is yeah. I'm trying to run the, these cameras in a cluster uh, just hoping to catch maybe some kind of pattern or uh, at least something consistent where the bucks are entering and exiting those areas. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And sure. and like, is, and do you? I want your opinion on the. I'm going to go back to your camera strategy because that's awesome way that you put that. But mm-hmm. with the the bed specifically, do you find them using one single bed or an area? I find more an area more than a single bed. And it's not like the bedroom, like 
Yeah. It's not like uh, in a in a room. Yeah. You know, it's usually like, uh, for the most part, a hundred to three hundred yard stretch or something like that, depending on the terrain, the cover, you know, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I I know that there's bucks that I only know two or three of his beds, but he's probably got twenty or more or whatever. Yeah. Like, you don't have to find every bed. You just you want to try to get an idea on you know where he's bedding. And there's also bucks that, you know, not every buck out there, even mature bucks, not all of them have just one patch of cover that they're bedding in. They might have three, four different ridges they're using. And that's where the big woods gets even more challenging when you're hunting one particular buck because you might be spending, you know, days of just wasting your time when the buck's not even in that particular spot. Yeah. You know, so it does take a lot of luck, but... um you know, mostly, uh, you know, what I found is the more mature bucks, especially like early in archery season, they, most of them really are locked in in a tighter area. So I think it's a great time to kill one, but boy, they, they do not move much in the daylight. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that. I, I've always struggled with early season and, and I don't, I don't hunt as much. My time's usually spent towards the rut, but still like, I don't, I don't feel like I have a good grasp on there was a couple bucks that it was too late by the time i ended up kind of thinking i figured them out but yep. you know they they had this super tight area and the only time i would get them coming out i was getting some daylight photos right on the edge of this cover of buck i explained to you on the way yeah. here hercules and he was coming out of this thick cover he would always he would always bed like right on the edge of it and then there was this big cherry flat that was just above it. And he, when they would have black cherries, I'd get some photos of him right on the edge oh, yeah. of it coming out, you know, just at dusk or, you know, the same thing and, or, uh, just as getting dark. Yep. But, um, it's, yeah, the early season stuff is not oh, it's easy very and tough. covers thick everywhere at yeah. that point, you know? Yeah. And that's another good thing you brought up is, uh, in the early season, there's a lot more bedding than what people think, like leaf cover, makes a huge difference as far as, you know, creating bedding cover. Mm-hmm. And I find that uh, some some bucks in, in the early season are bedding in places like you might have scouted it in March or April when there was no leaf cover and it looked wide open. And you're thinking, oh, man, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to find bedding in here, so you don't even look for beds. But then you go in there in, like, you know, September or even October during the season, and then it's it's pretty thick because of the leaf cover, and we're kind of over sometimes overlooking areas. So yeah, uh, the early season, you know, to me just offers a bunch of different challenges. And uh, but I will say, um, there really is no better time to to get on a buck because he's not running pretty much from ridge to ridge all day looking for does. And if you if you do have an idea what he's doing. And you, it's a particular buck. You, you, that's probably your best time to to get an opportunity. Yeah. Um, do you? What's your favorite time to hunt? My favorite time would be the last week of October. Okay. And even sometimes, you know, r- roughly, you know, the the teens of October can be really good. Um, I love to hunt cold fronts like October fifteenth to October twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. Like, I swear, every big buck around here, if we have a cold front, then it's going to be on his feet some that day, yeah. like, more than usual. And yeah, what I like, I, I like the rut uh, guiding. I don't get to hunt the rut a lot just because that's when all my clients are coming. Yeah. But uh, I would still pick the, the later October period too, because 
the thing about the rut is when, you know, when bucks get on does, like people think that's the time. But really, a lot of times when a buck's on a hot doe, they're they're not doing much of anything but just spending some time in their own little place. Yeah, some you know, it's like they're time. on their honeymoon or something. Yeah. You know, like truly, I, I like it. There's a little window of time when does really aren't in heat and bucks, the testosterone is built up to a point where they just can't lay down all day anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, that's the best time to be out there. And it's just often, you know, it's might only be a five to seven day period later in October. Yep. And uh, I just feel that that's, you know, the best time. Yeah. It, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel weather dependent absolutely. can really make or break that. Like Absolutely. Um, I yep. It, yeah, you get a cold front in October, and if I have to work, I can't. I can't focus <laughs> because that's like, that's when you know that that first real cold yep. snap there is going to be yep something. And that's even like, like was it last year, two years ago? We had a real cold snap like around October eighteenth or somewhere in that time frame. Yep. And my cameras lit there up. You like go. my scrapes yeah. were lit up, especially the ones that were closer to bedding. But they were like daylight photos where before the scrapes were starting to get opened up, but it was more nighttime activity yep. and it started getting. Yep. Yeah. That's I'd, why, like, uh, I'm just very fortunate that, you know, being self employed, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, <laughs> I can't imagine, like, oh man, big cold front and. I got to work all day. Like yeah. I feel, and I, I truly, I am blessed for that. And I feel, I feel for anyone that, that, that doesn't have that flexibility in their work. Cause uh, if you can just hunt the cold fronts in October, I, I can't even explain how much your success rate will probably go up. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. That's what I was like. I wish I could like just pick and choose days to yeah. hunt based on, yep. cause like that would, I feel like that ups your chances yep. so much with it. But, um, yeah, you, you, I wish in school they would have taught me whatever you learned <laughs> about, uh, you, cause w- what do you tell a little bit about what you do is your, your full time? Oh, sure. So I, my main, you know, my main business is landscaping. And, uh, honestly, it was never like a choice, like I'm going to do landscaping cause, uh, I want to, I want to have more time to hunt. But I'm just glad that that's what I turned into doing. Cause I, yeah. my first year, like when work slowed down and, you know, I was fortunate to save, uh, quite, you know, enough money to get me by for a little while. I was like, man, I got all hunting season. And, and you know what, like, I'm glad you brought that up because there was more to more about that. Like me, you know, choosing to, to guide people. Um, when I'd have like, you know, roughly two months off, like there was almost like a guilty, a guilty sense inside, like saying, you know what, you know, the good Lord gave you this gift uh, you know, all this time to spend in the woods and you're just out there for yourself. And I was like, you know, I should be taking people out. And it wasn't even about the money or anything. So, uh, but you know, that's, that's, I'm just so fortunate that, uh, you know, my job, uh, I get that little bit of a break period where it slows down and it just slows down for the, from, in my opinion, the best time of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that's, that's so true. And, and yeah, when, when you said that, I was like, that's awesome. Like I, Yep. No, I'm very, very fortunate. Believe me, that's, uh, I, I, I feel, I just feel so blessed and I, I hope that it can stay that way the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. Um, so looking at, you know, talking about your time of year and, you know, your favorite time of year and stuff and you're scouting and you're finding these beds and wanting to be somewhat close to them. Yep. What is your setup? kind of look like and um mm-hmm. does that does that fluctuate depending on the time of year and and um, 
or give me a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, okay. So so even all throughout October, like uh, my setups are pretty much pre-planned even now. Like I may not have I have exactly an idea for sure all the spots I'm going to hunt, but in the off season, all my stuff is you know pre-planned. Like I probably I probably have like 50 spots. <laughs> and I'm and even though I'm a guide like it's not like I'm like hogging the best spots either but a lot of my guiding doesn't take place till November anyway so but for myself so I got say 50 spots right now planned that I've scouted and then closer we get towards that last week of October whether it's you know from my cameras sometimes it's just on a hunch then I'll start to narrow down what ones I'm going to choose but um, what I'm kind of looking for is especially if I can locate buck bedding and I know what buck is in there what I'm doing is I'm trying to find a spot that's like a medium ground of not too close but not too far away and in every spot like that is a little bit different a lot of times I have to set like say if it's a buck bedding inside of a clear cut a lot of times it's just on the edge because walking through clear cuts like clear cuts are some of the most noisy woods you can walk through you know there's sticks little sticks everywhere yeah. brush you're pushing through so a lot of times you know i'm right on the edge every every setup i have literally there's a scrape and it's not it's a lot of them aren't you know real deer scrapes that were started from deer like i'll just if i locate buck bedding now or i mean if i locate it in the off season say march or april um i'll make a mock scrape then and i i last year especially i kept rope with me and like I've probably got like fifty or sixty licking branches out there, and I'm already getting those. I'm already trying to get bucks in those areas, like knowing, hey, you know, just outside of here, um, you know, you got this this awesome this awesome scrape that all the deer eventually are starting to use. Uh-huh. So uh, that's it's just it's a scrape is another reason to get a buck to come your way. Yeah. Um, I am looking for like maybe some. A lot of times, if it's a real active bed, there are trails going to and from. Sometimes there's five or six. Um, sometimes they're even just really faint, and you you got to really pay attention. But uh, you know, I'm I just I'm trying to find a spot where I'm not you know right on top of him where he's going to hear me or smell me. But I also don't want to be a spot where he's coming eight, nine, ten at night. So yeah, yep. Okay, and and um, so with some of the the setups there's and you know, it sounds like you're a lot of times on the edge of that thick sure. cover that they might be betting sure. on. Uh, d- is there any sort of terrain features that you look at, or or is it more vegetation, or mm-hmm. or does that all kind of depend? Well, if I'm if I'm trying to find actual beds, the terrain is really important because, like, I would say like ninety five percent of beds are near an elevation dr- drop. You know, elevation changes. They like to bed. Uh, a lot of people say it's thermals and somewhat is, but look at it this way. Like when you're, especially a mountain deer hunter, like if you build like a ground blind for an opening day of buck season and, and you're, you're trying to pick a spot, we pick those same kind of spots where you have like a really good visual. And that's another reason why they like elevation or being like right on the edge of an elevation drop is because there's a really good visual there. They want to be able to see anything that's coming below them. And a lot of times they even like to see what's coming from all directions. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think bucks are bedding in the most nastiest, thickest patch of cover they can find when from what I've learned is 
a lot of the beds I find are they can actually see fairly good anywhere from 20 to 40 yards around them. Um, so, uh, so when I'm, like I said, when I'm trying to find specific beds, I do look for the elevation changes like near, you know, where there's a bench, it's got to, it's got to be like very level spot too for them to bed. Even though I, when I say changes in elevation, they don't bed on, on a real steep spot where it's like they're laying on their side about ready to roll down over the cliff. Yeah. You know, it's got to be a comfortable spot. Yeah. So, you know, I'll look for those elevation changes, but number one, uh, I'm always in cover looking for bedding because I find that it's really hard to distinguish buck and doe bedding when I get out of cover because, uh, I find a lot more does bedding out of the cover and it's just like, I don't know if this is a buck or a doe. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I just know from past experiences that when I get into cover, I find a lot more bucks, especially nice bucks. Yeah. Um, and uh as far as the 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 cover that they're um do you do you happen to see rubs or anything around the bed does that kind of help you signify that i find more rubs on the edge of the cover than i do inside i I always find rubs inside but um i talk a lot about signpost rubs on the edge of like a clear cut yeah and i think a lot of us just think that uh it's just kind of a natural spot for deer to walk and which it is but I'm a big believer that rubs are a lot more than just a buck, you know, rubbing his antlers, building himself up for the rut. Like, I believe rubs are visual signposts that are like, hey, you know, this is my property. Or a lot of times rubs are where maybe two bucks core areas are come together. Uh, a lot of times that's a spot where you'll you'll find like a, an active scrape where several bucks are kind of working this area. But for sure, almost all the mature bucks that I've found and i found their beds, like they're not laying next to other bucks through uh, mid uh, or mid-September through the end of October. Like they got a spot to themselves. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, this time of year in the summer when I've, I've literally jumped six bucks together and they're a completely different animal now than what they are in, in the fall. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, um, you know, it's, uh, around here, if, if, if you find, if you start to put your time in and, and you're locating, once you locate, uh, buck bedding, you'll see that there's like tendencies and the, the habitat and the preferences that these bucks are choosing are very similar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, honestly, it's just really, I'm not going to say it's easy, but I really think it's something everyone can do. Once you just go out and, you know, try it out a little bit. And, and then when you can finally prove to yourself that, you know, Hey, that was a buck or this, you know, this is buck betting, then I'm telling you anyone, anyone can do it. Yeah. And what, what helped me a lot too, was if I got to an area that met a lot of the, say the criteria you're talking about, say like it, drop in elevation and stuff and say edge of some thick cover yep. and i started getting to where rubs started getting closer together yep. then i i it's not always this case there's everything in the big woods there's never like a one set rule you're absolutely right but yep. i i tend to get excited thinking they're probably a bed somewhat close and yep. and if i start seeing some that are coming from this way and this way i'm like okay maybe there's some exit trails yep. and yep. you know and then you might be able to find uh, a bed that way or yep. and a lot of times i i don't ever find that single bed like i just you just 
get a feeling. It's, oh, it yeah. sucks to explain this on a podcast, but like <laughs> you get a feeling like this is a buck betting area. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. And and that's that's so hard to articulate, but it's it, once you spend enough right. time doing it, you kind of start to figure that out a little bit. Yep. Um, I'll just bring up real quick too, like. A lot of times I'll say I know where a buck is bedding, and I've never actually found his bed, but if I'm getting a lot of camera pictures of him in the daylight, well, by God, i got to be near his bed. So uh, it, now it's just a question. I just hope that I'm not too close to his bed, especially with my setup. And uh, you know, But for the most part, if I'm getting good daylight activity of a buck outside of the rut, on my cameras, I'm confident that I'm probably pretty close to his bed or bedding area. And I would, I'll just accept that, you know, if, if I'm, as long as I'm getting daylight Intel, then yeah. that's all I really need. Yep. That's yeah. You're, yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, so when, when you go to do these setups, what's it look like? All right. You're going to go in, it's hunting season. You're going to hunt this, this buck or this bedding area or this spot. Yep. What does that look like as far as, you know, how much time are you going to spend there before you move on or what's, what's that kind of look like? Cause you had, you had a post the other day on Instagram that really, well, it'll probably be a few weeks ago mm-hmm. now by the time this comes out, but that talked about a strategy that you have about being kind of patient with it. And, yep. you know, there's a, a big thing and, and, you know, I fall along with it too, with, you know, mobile hunting. And, and I think there's mobile hunting and being impatient sometimes can go together and there's also there's just a a weird line there of of knowing when to when to go and and when to stay sure well yeah so one thing let's talk about um we'll talk about the three-day strategy because that's important and then after that i think we should talk about mobile hunting because i have some different opinions on that and how i do it yeah so i just want to make sure we don't forget that but anyways yeah so my three-day strategy like this was, it was never something where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try something different and I'm going to start hunting particular stands for three days straight and see what happens. What I learned was from running a lot of cameras, like I would find maybe 40 or 50% of some of these really good spots that I found, like within three days, I was getting certain bucks on them, like especially in what I call the best time, like late October, like geez, if I would have hunted that where that camera was for three days straight, I would have had an opportunity at that buck. Like there's, if you're in, right in his core area and, and you know some of the, you know, maybe the community scrapes or the most active scrapes in that area, especially close to bedding, that uh, during that peak window, especially of scrape hunting, um, most likely I, I would bet a pretty good odds that out of th- three-day stretch, he's going to hit that scrape once, sometimes more than that. So it was my cameras that led me to that strategy. And what I do is I I pick uh, in a week and six days, because Pennsylvania, we're just getting into the, <clears throat> the, the Sunday hunting, but very few days, obviously. So really, we only have six days in a week for the most part. So um, I'm hunting... I got four stands that week, and I have, uh, like, say, Monday through Wednesday, I got a morning stand I hunt three days in a row, and then I got an afternoon stand that I hunt three days in a row. And it's not always based for sure that I think it's a morning spot or an evening spot, but if I have had past uh, history with, you know, it's showing that it's a better morning spot, that might be something that makes me hunt there in the morning. But uh, why I... 
I don't like to hunt one of or invest my time the whole week into one stand because I have learned in the big woods like you got to find like a balance. You can't be bouncing around a new stand every day, but yet it's hard to throw all your money into one or two stands too. Yep. You know, so I've just found that if I have four stands that week that I hunt and I hunt I hunt them really hard, you know, I'm not just hunting these stands till nine o'clock. You know, I'll, I'll hunt them till sometimes 11 or noon. And then I'm maybe for an hour or two, I'm, uh, I'm, it's not like I'm going home or taking a nap or I might in that hour or two, I'll probably do some scouting or, you know, whatever. But, uh, it, it's, uh, I'll even get back in a stand at least a lot of times by two o'clock, even that time of year. Cause just, you know, like I said, a lot that I've learned has been on cameras, but, uh, yeah, what I've what I've found is I'm very confident if I have four really good stands that week and I hunt I hunt them each in three day stretches, like my morning stand, like I said, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, afternoon stand, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I go to completely different stands, but two stands. So four stands in a six day stretch. I have I'll tell you what, I've Almost every year I've done that. I've either killed or had an opportunity at a nice buck, and usually a buck that I was expecting to see. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so interesting, and and yep. I like you said I've in in the past I'd, I've done it not necessarily from like a three day standpoint, but I've spent multiple days, and I remember one spot I sat for five days, <laughs> which might have been a little bit overboard, but mm-hmm. I ended up killing a deer in that spot, and go. it was on the last day at noon. But I, but anyways, it was just when you have certain spots that you have confidence in, yep. like you have, you can't just because you're not having that action that you want to have, you know, right off the bat, because here is different, you know, and I'm not speaking across the country or anything, but here is different. And there's so many Absolutely. different trails. They could be moving. That buck could be moving 70 yards from you and you yep. don't see it. Absolutely. Or hear it. Yeah. And yep. you, so you, you got to put the time in. And, and last year I was hunting all new spots and I honestly wasn't as confident in them. And that got, I got in my own head and I moved yep. too much. And there you go. That was a reflection at the end of the year. I was like, you know, you really screwed that up, but I just, you just got to learn from it and you're going to screw things up. Definitely. But yeah, I just, I, I really like that, that idea. And I, I like to move and I like to hunt different spots. But at the same time, you got to know, you you know, know when to to want to go and, you know, when to fold them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll bring something up too. And especially in this area, you have to make a choice. Do you want to be a hunter that wants to see deer or do you want to see a deer? That's the way, that's my mindset. Like, I don't care if I go the whole season and I only see just one deer one particular deer that I want, like, that's what I live for. That's what I hunt for. Yeah. I don't, I, I enjoy seeing deer out of my stand, but that's not really why I'm hunting. I, I want an opportunity at a good buck. And, uh, if I have to hunt, you know, 10, 15 days and not see a deer and just that one buck, I promise you, I would take that over anything. Cause I just want that one opportunity. Yep. Cause like I said, we're, we're hunting an area where, I mean, I do believe our part of Pennsylvania and a lot of other areas in Pennsylvania have gotten really good. But I, I, this isn't a place where you sit in a stand every day and the actions every minute or hour, however you want to put it, like uh, this is big woods hunting 
and uh, you got to be patient, and you have to you have to be willing to take the highs and the lows. There's there's points where it just you know I've 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 questioned myself. I I, I swear there's not a deer within ten miles. Yeah. But then it's like no, you know your mind's just trying to play tricks on you. So uh, yeah, no, that's just what I've learned that uh, if uh, if I don't have if I if I have you know not just a couple stands but you know four or five stands and not 20 stands there's like that balance and if i put my time in those spots i've just been very fortunate it's really worked for me but i believe believe there's something behind it too yeah uh, this this year so based off of my my findings from my reflections last year i went into scouting this year saying i was going to f- not just scout uh, you know 15 different areas but try to focus on five areas and even that's probably too much but and then kind of really get to know them like the back of your hand and focus on them run more cameras into more of a cluster kind of what you're talking about and do it that way and i feel a lot better about i promise you you you're on to something yeah i feel so much better about it and it's hard because i like seeing new stuff i like scouting new ground and i'm always like you know i have a problem with that and i just want to keep going and check things out but If you want to be consistent, that no, killing deer, absolutely, yeah, and and you can't uh, base tomorrow's hunt on what you saw today, like uh, especially you know, like I keep saying around here, is in fact even in guiding, like we'll have a guy have like the most awesome day in a stand. And you couldn't pay him a thousand dollars to go somewhere else the next day. So then he goes there the next day, and he might not even see a deer. And then he, he's like, well, what the heck happened? It must have been the wind, the weather. But then he talked to three other guys in camp that they didn't see much out of their stand the day before. Now, today it was incredible. Yeah. It's just all about putting time into spots. And in these woods, like, you can't predict, like, I know the does are coming through at four, and I know this buck shows up on Tuesday. Like, it's yeah. not, you know, it's like a pin being inside of a pinball machine. Like, they're moving. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you just got to be at the right spot at the right time. You yeah, know? and and it's not all just luck, but it's just a matter of uh, knowing what to look for, believing in yourself that you're doing it right, and then just putting the time in. Yeah, yep. I I really I really like that that mindset with it. Sure. So go go into let's let's go back to what you're talking about with the mobile hunting. Yeah. and your thoughts on it. Yeah, I what hear I what I your... what I really like uh, like I am not the kind of person that would ever go into a spot like blind. I know there's a lot of people that will even get like on, uh, you know, I know you're a big fan, you know, of Onyx, which I, I am too. I think all that stuff's good, but I'm not the kind of guy that, oh, wow, that just looks like a really good cut. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to find a tree in the dark and I'm just going to see what happens. Like, I think it can work. I'm sure. Cause you've already found good cover, but I like to find everything in the off season. Like I really want to go over an area and it's almost like reading a book. Like I just want to see, you know, from sign, uh, just getting a feel for, for what the area is like. It's all, all my stuff's based on scouting. So as far as, you know, just going in and, you know, throwing a stand on my back and, you know, then taking it back out with me, like a lot of my stuff is preset just for the fact that, uh, I don't like to go in a little bit unsure of things and my surroundings and that kind of stuff. Yep. So uh, I'm more about having stands preset, but I like to get them out well in advance. I'll just I'll just say it like that. Yeah. Uh, 
a lot of a lot of my stands you know i'm i just don't throw them up one day and hunt them yeah 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 <laughs> so anyways uh but where i call myself mobile is i don't hunt much out of ladder stands and you know i'll hunt out of climbers i don't have a saddle i think saddles are great though i, I like how people are using them but when i when i'm mobile is when i get into a spot and you know we haven't talked much about wind yet but i'll get into a spot and the wind's not right but a lot of times i i know i can move 100 yards like i'll have i hunt out of climbers mainly i'll just i'll already have a backup plan if the wind's doing this or that i already know the tree i'm going in a lot of times the lanes are already cut like i've cut tons of shooting lanes in march and april you know just picking a tree out and getting things cleared out then rather than just going in an area and winging it because you know we talked earlier about in the big woods here you you know, you might only get one or two opportunities a year if you're lucky. I don't want, uh, when a buck comes through, and it's especially one that I've really been hoping to see, I don't want to to take the risk of, man, I just didn't have any shooting lanes or I just picked the wrong tree. I think that's one thing that we can eliminate in the off season by even picking that actual tree out. Where am I going to set up? And then uh, when I am there, you know, I already have a good idea, you know, what I'm looking at. So that's, that's, that is the toughest thing. Like if I, when I go into an area and I'm just picking a tree on the fly, yep. you get up there and I'm like, I wish that branch was out of the way. Yeah, there's like exactly. That and you're, and that, that is a, that's a giant struggle. So like yep. I, I do the same thing in the spring as far as like, I'll even, even if I'm hunting, you know, you know, quote unquote mobile, yep. I'll take my saddle or my stand and my sticks and I'll climb a tree. Absolutely. And, and I'll kind of see what that looks like. I got someone was was giving me shit about it. Uh, like, why do you why do you walk around? Why do you scout with your <laughs> with your saddle and your sticks? And yeah. I'm like, because I I actually set up and want to see what that's going to look like. You know, and that's a great idea. And to to be able to see it because I've done that far too many times getting into a tree, and yep. I basically screwed up the whole hunt because I don't have yep. the right stuff going on so if i can do some sort of prep you know and same thing like you're doing with a climber that's that's considered mobile hunting you know from a standpoint of that but it's not reckless i don't know if reckless is the right term but you know Mm -hmm. it's uh it's thought out i guess oh yeah and i i think that might be a benefit of the saddle though is like i'm not going to go through the woods all the time with a climber yeah especially i might be shed hunting or i don't feel like carrying 20 or 30 pounds on my back and i'll i'll climb up this tree and then i got five more other trees like a saddle there's really no weight yeah. so i think uh i think the saddle hunting that people are doing i think it's a great idea maybe someday i'll get into it uh, i'm not trying to talk like i'm too good for it or it's just yeah you know it's just one of those things uh I've already got a ton of stands, and I've I've been getting by the way I've been doing it. But I think the saddle hunting is yeah. an incredible idea, and especially like you said, and, and the, what you did there in the off season, because um, you know I have at times like I'll I'll have a, a tree picked out for my climber, but and I'm trying to guess, like, I, I don't have the climber with me, but I'm like, well, that looks like I need to cut this and that. But if if you're really not up in the tree. Um, a lot of times you don't know, you don't really know for sure where your lanes are. Yeah. So I think that was, you know, just a great point that you brought up, but no matter what, at least, you know, what my point is, is I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to go into areas blind and, 
And if say if you're not using a saddle and just always taking your stands in and out, or um, I I I like to leave my stands in there, and I I do think maybe for a little bit. Uh, deer might be a little unsure, but I, I can promise that with cameras or anything, heck, you could uh, you can throw a car out in the middle of a bedding area. After a while, a deer just get used to it. Yeah. So it's just a matter of them getting used to it. And uh, But the more you can prepare yourself in advance, by far, it's going to make a huge difference. Yep. And I, I think that's where it comes down to, too, is so if you're spending time in the off season, you know, we all have a certain amount of time to do things. If you're focusing on a few areas, you can focus on more of those details with it and the prep and yep. all those things that line up to something instead of free balling it yeah. for lack of better terms, just like, and yeah. yeah. And then I don't want to say half-assing it, but it's kind of what it comes down to at the end of sure. it. And that's what I realized that I was doing a little bit of, I was just going to so many areas. I had all these good spots, but none of them were, I was like getting 60% of the way there, you know, yep, it's finding the sign and the thoughts, but not having the, not getting it set up for actually killing. You yep. know? And one thing I want to jump back on to the, uh, uh, the three day strategy, like what I want people to understand, and there's probably a lot of other people like me too, but I'm really only getting like one week a year to really focus on an opportunity for myself. And I think if you're a fortunate person where you might have three or four weeks, then I do think you could have, you know, you could have a dozen stands or something like that. Mm -hmm. But my point is, is don't be the guy that's hunting a new stand every day. And especially still try to do the three day strategy. Like you might have 12 stands, but have those 12 stands in a three week stretch or for your three weeks of when you're going to hunt. And then, you know, then do the three days in a row. Uh, I still suggest that I, I know a lot of people really love all day sits, but I still believe in the big woods. I don't like to throw all my money, even in one stand. Like if, if you're a lot of stands, like I even brought up earlier, a lot of spots, or it's like a, a one out of a three-day window, it's going to be really good. So maybe, uh, so you've hunted somewhere in the morning and you didn't see a deer. A lot of times there's a good chance that you weren't going to see a deer there in the afternoon because the deer just really aren't working that area that day in the big woods. Yep. But now you've got another chance that day to still get in on the last half of the day's action somewhere else. You know, so you're still bouncing around, but yeah, it's not like you're just going from stand to stand each day. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that, that makes, I, I like the way that you explain that. So are the, are you typically, when you have like the afternoon sitter, is it going to be in the general area or sometimes are you completely relocating? Not, it's, I wouldn't say like general area, like within 500 yards, but I don't want to. I don't want to spend hours either. Like sometimes I might have an hour walk to my stand and then I might have another hour walk to another stand. And then who knows, maybe a half hour drive. Like I think then I'm just, I'm taking a little bit too much time out of my day. Yeah. So, uh, I might, that might be another reason why I, uh, pick my stands ahead of time because I might say, well, I know that I can get to that stand here and that stand there within an hour. Yeah. Maybe not even having to go back to my truck. Yeah. You know, but it's not like uh, I'm not just setting up stands either. Like, okay, this this is where I'm going to hunt that day, and I'm just going to throw another stand 500 yards away. Like, uh, then I, I, I believe I'm being maybe, I don't know if I want to say picky or maybe a little less precise. Like, 
I I kind of want to be in a whole new area with with a with maybe even different deer. Like mm-hmm. I just want to see something different, and especially if it is getting closer to the rut, a lot of what's pulling bucks into a certain area is a hot doe, and I'll find that uh, if if there's one hot doe in an area, like that spot might be good anywhere from one to three days, and then. After that, it might be a week or two until another doe comes in heat or who knows. So uh, that's why I kind of like to, you know, especially more around the rut, I'm hoping to be somewhere where there's a hot doe. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. And when, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so when I say you're hunting and, you know, how you're saying some of your clients that come to camp, you know, one guy will come back and see a whole bunch of stuff and the other yep. guys won't. Yep. That's why it's it's a blessing and a curse at this when you have cell service in places. But like <laughs> yeah. I'll be have like a group chat with my family and like my yeah. my one uncle will be like, oh, it's on fire! I'm seeing bucks <laughs> all over, and I'm like, I'm not seeing a damn thing. <laughs> and you know, but there's each area is like you said, get hot and exactly. And, you, and sometimes just relocating at that time and that yep. spot you're in now might be hot in three days. It might be hot tomorrow. It might yeah. it, it might be hot the afternoon. You don't know, but yeah, no, you never know for it's, sure. It's it's yeah, I I like that yep. that kind of way of thinking about it. And like I said, and I'm not saying that all day sits are a complete bad thing, like. There's probably a lot of people that can say they sat all day and uh, at 3 o'clock they killed the buck of their lifetime without hardly seeing much. But I've just learned that I think I need to, I think I need to be a little bit more spread out, but not like, like I said, just yeah. not hunting different stands every day. It's a, a game. Of, it's a game of odds. There's always, exactly. there's always going to be, you could all you could mess up by switching the stands. You Absolutely. you don't know, but yeah yeah you, you're trying to put as many balls in your basket as you can. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. No, I'm following along with you Good. with you there. Well, anyways, Steve, where can people find some more uh, information on you um, and then your your guiding service as well? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, first you, first best place to look would be social media. Um, uh, Facebook, just look for Shirk's Guide Service or Instagram. Uh, I have an Instagram page too. Same thing, Shirk's Guide Service. I also have a website, shirksguideservice.com. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I get an occasional email on that, but I, you know, I prefer to, you know, people reach me at those, at those sites to, yeah. to start. And, uh, you know, I'm, I just, before we, before we close, I just want people to know that, um, uh, this isn't just a business. I, I don't want to consider myself just a hunting guide or out there to just take people hunting. And, uh, I want to be more than that. Um, I want to be the person that you can message me and I hope that maybe I have a tip for you or, you know, when you're having a tough season, don't be afraid to shoot me a message. And I want to, I'll always find a way to encourage someone because I really am trying anymore to represent that, as hunters, and I just have this feeling, the way that I see the world going right now, like we have to all come together. We all have to make sure we're on the same team because you can see how easily our rights and our privileges can be taken away now. Like we've seen certain things, you can own a business and it can be shut down in a second. And without us being united and together, um, I promise our sport can be taken away in a hurry. So uh, that's Another reason why I'm just glad that I can reach out to so many people is 
I want everyone to be on my team and I want to be on their team and all of us be on the same team. Yeah. And uh, let's all uh, just, I, I hope and pray that we all can just have a, a great 2020 hunting season despite all that we're going through. Because I know the future, even this next season, looks a little bit scary, but. I know for sure I'm going to do whatever it takes, no matter what laws get made or what we're told. It's going to be it's going to be tough to keep me out of the woods this deer season, and I'm sure you're the same way yeah. too. So uh, let's just all make sure that we uh, are encouraging one another, wanting success for everyone, and uh, if if we do that, um, we're all just one big family. I I don't think anyone's going to ever uh, be able to take take what we love away from us. That. Yeah, that words couldn't be said any more true than that. That's, that's yeah, being out there for everybody else and and not bickering amongst yep. you know each other. There's enough of that going on out yeah. there. Let's <laughs> yeah. let's be in, you know the woods are all we can all agree on the woods are happy is our happy place. Absolutely. So let's let's agree on that. So, Steve, thank you so much for coming on and welcome me into your camp full of all these. <laughs> giant pennsylvania public land deer and um you know and i look forward to we'll, we'll definitely do some scouting videos absolutely now that we live so close here we'll have to we'll have to get together more and talk to i'm you looking out. forward to it so cool can't wait all right steve well we will talk soon Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.